Demons Discuss, Take 19, the one with the visions, the vow, and the Venetian. Welcome to Demons Discuss, the unofficial podcast about the All Souls trilogy and the topics that orbit it. We are your hosts, Angela, Jean, and Valerie. I'm Valerie, and with me is Angela and Jean. Hi, guys. Hi, everybody. Hey, everyone. And we are talking about chapters, what, 21 21 through through 25? Mm-hmm. Yes. And Woo-hoo. we don't have a whole lot of time. So we're going to just go in it. Um, we do have a discusser email. A couple. Yes, we do. Oh, I've got one from Stephen. Yay. Hello again. My first thoughts are that there is so much of the story in the five chapters that you will be struggling to discuss it in a single podcast. Is that Stephen begging us to do two? <laughs> this reading, I picked up more details from Isabeau talking about visions. Matthew wonders if I was a demon before she was made a vampire. A big clue about blood rage there I missed on an earlier reading. I like the part where Diana was self-justifying her actions when snooping in Matthew's study. It sounds like something Angela would do. I thought she would have recognized the seals for what they were earlier as an engraved writing would be reversed to make a legible imprint when used on wax. And that's from Stephen, along with some of my editorializing. <laughs> like, like, did he really say that? <laughs> no, he didn't. I, just, I, I don't remember that. <laughs> she embellished. That is something Angela would do, the snooping in the library. But, you know. <laughs> I love a good library. That was an extra little <laughs> bonus just for Stephen. They, they have glass partitions in museums for reasons, because I visit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Angela's hand and face print are on the glass partition. Are you tactile, Angela? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Okay, I have an email from Wendy, and she says, "So thoughts on chapters twenty-one through twenty-five. Geez, where to start? We have magic bursting out all over the place. Lectures on vampire families. Set tour, Isabeau and Mart, and best of all, those three little words from Matthew and Diana. I think my favorite is the phone call between Matthew and Diana at the end of chapter twenty-five, where he finally admits that he loves her." It seems to me that this is the first time they are both on the same level. Neither one is trying to be in control or direct the actions of the other. They are not bickering or snarking at each other either. Instead, both just realize that they need to be together no matter what the consequences and both are ready to face whatever comes next. Yeah, these are heavy chapters. These are make or break and we will get into that very soon. Yeah, and Matthew's still withholding, but that's a whole nother discussion. Yeah. <laughs> but thank, right. thank you for the email, Wendy. We appreciate it. Very good observations. Thanks. Shout out, Wendy. Hey, Wendy. Right. We'll see you in NOLA. Yay! Yay. Stephen, we wish you could come. He'll be there virtually. In spirit. All right. So when we left off, Diana's been gently rejected by Matthew. He sang her Please, song. Please, shut her down entirely. I wouldn't call anything gentle about that. That was a she, Diana says gently. We beg the difference. Okay. <laughs> this was one of those times when she when she was being reticent that we talked about in our last take. Yeah. Right. So he sang her song to sleep. She wakes up to a breakfast tray held by a vampire. But since he gives her a gentle kiss to greet her, she knows the relationship is moving towards romance. And that's where we left off. And here's where we start. Go. Your first thought. I mean, uh, like first impressions when we're moving on. We finally get to look at the damn Aurora Consurgence. Yay! Yay. Yes, yes. (laughs) (laughs) After all of that, yes. In unison. Finally! Um, So they study in the library. She looks at the Aurora Consurgence. What did you think about all those passages? Take yourself back to the first read. What did you guys think? Oh, I loved it. Well, you would know that because I made a whole video about just the Aurora Consurgence. This is like one of my favorite chapters in this book. The, the words are beautiful and the descriptions of the illustrations that Deb created are gorgeous as well. I didn't understand it. I'll be honest. I was just like, okay. I didn't realize the magnitude of it, but I was more into Matthew and his ready reference as the Bible. I was, that's what I was caught up in. So I guess I just, I probably just glossed over it and didn't. Now I appreciate it a zillion fold compared to what I did. And of course I had to make some jokes about the morning star, but that's just me being me. <laughs> right. It threw me off because... Because he kept throwing in Bible verses and I am not well versed with the Bible. I'm just not. Maybe that's half of what's wrong with me. But he, you know, he would quote Psalms. Is that what you call them? Yeah, or? yeah 
Yeah. Or it verses. Was, yeah. It was Mark, Psalms, and Deuteronomy. And then there was Revelations. And- yeah. See, that's all foreign to me. I don't I don't get it. And I started to shut down. But reading the words themselves, I was like, huh, they resonated with me. But the Bible verses were kind of a diversion. And I'm not, I'm trying to think if that was on purpose. Yeah. If it yeah. was trying to take us mm-hmm. away from the clues that Aurora Consurgeon brings. That was my first take on it. The fact that they were trying to correlate it to the Bible, I kind of glossed over that. I was, maybe it was because I got so sucked into the clues about, wow, this sounds like them. Right. Yeah, the Bible part of it kind of went over my head and I was looking at it going, oh my gosh, it's about the two of them. The first time we went through all this, the references to being dark and shadowed at first, it's like I thought that was Matthew, but yeah. in the shadow, when we find out and they refer to him as a shadowed man later on, but then I think we had the breakthrough about, well, dark and shadowed, that's Diana because of the moon. Yeah. Because the of the moon. The faces of the moon. Yep. And we went over that in another episode, a blog yes. post, everything. God, we, I think when we were breaking this down, I think it was a good three weeks of us just tearing our hair out. Like, yeah. back in And there were a bunch of us 20, involved, too. Yeah. Then back in 2012, we're like, what does this mean? It's like, oh, you know what? Throw out the Bible for now. Yeah. Just keep it simple. And maybe it was a diversion, yes. but maybe it was also a chance to illustrate how well-versed Matthew is and how deeply religious he is and his Catholicism. So that, but it was a diversion. I mean, if you look up those passages, they do kind of correspond to what's been being said, but it seems like it applies to all of humanity and not Matthew and Diana as mm-hmm. you guys figured out. Well, and then yeah. if you also think about it is by using the Bible verses, it's an alchemical text, but it's so replete with Bible references. It's not like a, it'd be really tough for the Pope to find it to be heretical. Yeah. You know, they're, they're not gonna, they're not going to ban the book as a heresy. So maybe it was camouflage in more ways than one. I'm thinking it was. I mean, even on this reread and even knowing the the blog post that you guys did um, on the Aurora Consurgence, just reading it and then a couple, maybe 20 pages later, when, when we'll get to that with the witch water, but Diana almost, or the narrator almost says the exact same thing, only in modern speak. So it was just like, mm-hmm. wow, yeah, yeah. I never There's picked it up on the first time. Yep, exactly. Yeah. yeah, from the depths of the water, I call for you. And th- that was kind of the last thing she said. She's like, Matthew, you know, as she's mm-hmm. getting involved by the water. So these are the things that are like, oh, crap, this is about them. Right. Yeah. And when we get to that, I mean, just the, the passage that corresponds was she comes out into cold, damp air, darkness pressed on me from every direction. And yeah, she's trying to talk through water. Um, and she said that Matthew took the light with him when he left. And therefore, like you said, she's, she's the shadowed person. Yes. Yeah. And then you think about it is you could almost consider the witch water a watery grave and rolling the stone back from the tomb and letting the light in was him coming back. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's almost a roadmap for these chapters as well as a roadmap for their relationship and how to do an alchemical experiment and a Bible refresher as well. It's a multi-purpose manuscript. Right. I, but then it also kind of puts some threads out there that we all stand on common ground. You know, yeah. there's yeah. Bible passages, there's this alchemical manuscript, there's, you know, it. everything is like free flowing and we all have our own version of the same story. Science and religion are intertwined. Mm-hmm. Right. And different paths will lead you to the same conclusion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just how you interpret it and what's comfortable for you to navigate the path to get to the get to the destination. And that's what religion is. You know, people follow different mm-hmm. faiths, but eventually it's all about living in and dying and what you believe in and who created the earth. Even if you you're not particularly religious or even if you're an atheist, I mean, you have to believe in something. Right. You know, mm-hmm. maybe maybe it's science. Maybe that's your path of understanding and comfort. And Well, believing in nothing is believing. <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. laughs> exactly. All right. So they study in the library and uh, she gets to examine the Aurora Consurgence. A couple hours later, she decides she wants to go riding and Matthew's happy to take her. And they're headed out, telling little stories, arm in arm, and bam, Domenico. Woo-hoo! Cue <laughs> dramatic he music. Great, he had a great, <laughs> great debut and he fizzled out. But this first meeting of Domenico, <laughs> he he had a fan club going after after a discovery yeah. of witches because everybody was intrigued. Yeah, well, that yeah. the line that got me was he was a vampire and he didn't care who knew that he was different. I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, he was he was a bad bad boy. I mean, badass is is yeah. how I took it. It was just badass the way he was decked out. Was uh, like. 
in my head, he was wearing a motorcycle jacket. I think he was wearing something similar yeah. in, in the book. Yeah. Um, he was just, I mean, that's how you he, get me a motorcycle jacket. Oh, yes. I'm on board. I mean, Thank the description you. was almost like a fallen <laughs> angel kind of thing. Yes. And, yeah. and you know what? When you say it like that, um, you know, Deb's inspiration for him, that uh, Del Sarto painting, he, yeah, he does yes. look like an angel. But if you think a little bit, he's dressed in black. He's got a black cap. The hair is the same. And he does have an angelic look on his face. But there is potential mm-hmm. for some mischief there. Yeah. And then he alludes to a lot of mischief about he and Matthew and Louisa raising hell in Venice back in the day. Yeah, I'm very curious as to what Isabeau's knowledge of Domenico's family was. Right. I mean, how did she feel so comfortable mentioning Domenico's mom? It's like, it was almost like a neighborhood kid thing. (laughs) It was almost like a neighborhood kid thing. You know, when you walk down the street, misbehaving, Miss Watson would come out threatening to call your mother. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. <laughs> you know, so I was wondering, it's like, what would your mother think of you just doing things like this? And I'm like, who is this mother? And I really thought it was going somewhere. Yeah. I, I, I mean, the whole out. thing with his involvement with Louisa, too. I, I always thought there's something more going on there. Well, don't you think Deb knows um, or has like an inkling of, of what that is? Because I thought she said at one time that we we haven't even met uh, Gerbert's or Domenico's families yet. So she, if she says that, there has to be an idea idea of a family and what they're like. Right. Yeah, and the fact that they're they're both Gerber and, and Domenico are heads, heads of the families. Of families. So a Baldwin equal, I would think. Right. Yeah. Right. I, I love Diana's observation. The vampire inside the Chateau Gate did look Venetian or like an unholy cross between an angel and a devil. Yes, that's what I like. I like that, that was description. The one that, that was a description that just like grabbed me and made me want to know more. Mm-hmm. And the comments about the times that he and I mean, he's only on in five pages of the book, but there's so much packed into it. And it's also intriguing. And that's why it's like, God, yay, Domenico. I, have, I, I think I also hopes. it's not. Yeah. It's just not the five pages. It's, it's also, you know, do a Google, a Google search of his name. That just brings in a whole yeah. uh, potential. Wasn't mm-hmm. he a pope as well? No, no, no. He wasn't a pope. He was one of the doges of Venice and he led the army during the Crusades. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, he was full of, uh, what was it? A horror to the Greeks? Yeah, that's what's on his headstone. <laughs> yes. And that always intrigued me too because, well, Philippe's Greek. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What does that mean? Does that, does that mean anything? Right. And Domenico is also the first one to bring up the covenant to Diana while she's clueless. And the fact that it forbids a vampire consorting with a witch. So it was a shock because we didn't know specifically what the covenant said. We just heard mention of what Marcus was talking about. And it's a shock to Diana because this is the first time she's ever hearing about it. And I was jolted by when Diana finally did speak and Domenico was very sarcastic and clasped his hands in mock delight um, that he compared her to Stephen. And like, whoa, she know he knows Stephen or of Stephen or how much does he know of Stephen? Right. Yeah. Well, and it was his attitude towards her about this is why we don't teach women, you know, we don't teach women theology or women can't learn theology. I'm like, in retrospect, that's kind of a glimpse of what she's going to be dealing with with Matthew in the 15 or other people when she and Matthew go back to the 1590s because you've got this little snippet here of... Well, he's far older than 1590s, but a medieval man taking all of his medieval attitudes into the modern day. Uh, I mean, it's kind of a cool little juxtaposition and a glimpse of things to come. I loved how she, well, I I found it funny how she stood up to him and says, I don't know about your covenant, so therefore it doesn't apply. And I I kept thinking, ignorance of the law does not excuse you. It doesn't work that way. Even in modern legal analysis, it doesn't work that way. I mean, Gene's a lawyer in this group, but, you know, I'm smart enough to know that doesn't, that's not how any of this works. I didn't you know. know. I didn't know. George Costanza. No yeah. It was like George Costanza. Yeah. How we talk about George Costanza. It's like, oh, I, I didn't know. Yeah, if, if somebody would have told me that was wrong, I wouldn't have done it. Honestly, I got to say. 
<laughs> that is so George Costanza. <laughs> so, you know, it's like, no, I didn't know your rules. So it, it's okay. And Dominica's like, uh, so you're a lawyer too? And I was like, oh, God. <laughs> oh, man, this, this is not going to end well. And then you've got, you've got Isabel dragging her back to the chateau like, dude, you're totally ignoring vampire protocol too. You, you just don't and, started a war. Shut up. Right. And Matthew's like, take her inside now. You know? Oh, God. Yeah. I found it more humorous than scary. I, I found it. It's like, here she was. I mean, because that's how she is. She's used to standing up to people who, you know, come across the wrong way at her. They come at her the wrong way. She's like, give it right back. And right. it's like, it didn't work out for her well this time. Yeah. And Isabel lets her know you have a lot to learn about vampires. Yeah. So has, sit down. I like that as the reader. I'm like, okay, good. We have a lot to learn. Let's get at it. Yes. <laughs> Class is in session. Yes. Right. So they rush up to the tower and they put up the standard yeah. and they're watching Matthew and Dominica go at it. And I really wanted to hear that conversation. My God. God I know. So do I. Maybe it'll be in the companion. Maybe. Did she say it was going to be? Because I thought Deb at one point in time thought, had mentioned that there was a, an extra scene that was exist. written. It does exist. We know that it, she, we we know it did, does exist. Yeah. So we can hope it's in there. Yeah. And the command, companion's coming out May 2018 so far right now. Yes. At this this point in time. (laughs) At this point in time, that could change. Please take note, audience. So true. Um, So, and Isabeau explains that Domenico was an old friend and that makes him dangerous as an enemy. And that is so true because he knows what could break Matthew. He knows Matthew's moves in good times and in bad. He, He knows entirely too much about Matthew. So that makes him dangerous. It's almost like the longer you live, the more safe you should feel, you know, but the more vulnerable you could also feel because, you know, knowing each other for at least a thousand years, you know, strengths and weaknesses. They know all your weak spots. Yep. Right. I also noticed, you know, Isabel was kind of warning her, you know, she's like, oh God, I'm going to let Matthew have it when he comes up. And Isabel's like, wait till he takes you to task for usurping his authority. And she's like, I'm not under his authority. And she's like, mm-hmm, okay. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, neither am I. It's like, oh, again, you have a lot to learn about vampires. So in the end, she says, if you love him, essentially, she says, if you love him, you'll know what to do. You'll let him go. You know, just say that witches are flaky and, you know, they get curious. And I was just kidding. I don't really care. You know, <laughs> that was Isabel's advice to her. Yeah. <laughs> which which kind of counters people who think that Isabel was in the know about anything. Leave my son alone and be the fall guy. Yeah. yeah. I mean, for people who think that Isabel was in the know about them going back to 1590 and that right there, tell her telling Diana, leave him, wouldn't go along with the plan. So I don't think she, again, I don't think she knew anything. Yeah, this is true. And it ends as they observe Matthew take, just grabs Balthasar and then takes off into the forest. All right. So this brings us to chapter 22. We join Diana, Isabeau and Mart in the parlor. Matthew returns. So let's go. Let's talk about this. Their bubble's been breached. She's upset because now she was making tentative steps into a new world and a new new life and perfect Matthew's not being very perfect at the moment and life is not being very perfect at the moment thanks to the intrusion from the outside world right Domenico, and going and the to covenant set tour. and all that pesky real life stuff she has to deal with yeah yeah this is supposed to be refuge and she was supposed to be reading the Aurora Consurgence the whole time and that's not happening <laughs> yeah and chilling and drinking tea yeah yes and, d- her, and dancing her plan, and having her plan dinner to stick her head in the sand didn't quite work yeah and and horse back riding. It was all supposed to be fun. It was supposed to be want a spa. My, want my money back. <laughs> uh. Did Sarah call at this point? Yeah, Sarah did. Sarah called again. That's what she does. Hey, I'm Sarah now. I, I can defend her. <laughs> okay. Defend away. <laughs> no, I mean, we, in the in the face of what more witch fire. Right. Uh, no, we needed this as a reader. I mean, because you get this little tidbit about Emily and uh, Melisande and you just lays more groundwork. Yes. More breadcrumbs to chase down, especially the the stories about Melisande. Yeah. Right. But the call in general was realistic to me. I mean, she was. It uh, was. I'm glad she was on board. It was. And, you know, she kind of takes her to Taz. It's like, hey, when were you going to tell me about the covenant? And Sarah's like, I I didn't think you needed it. Oh, so in 
on now all of a sudden you're interested what (laughs) right (laughs) i've always been on sarah's side i I got it i got sarah (laughs) get your head out of the clouds girl yeah and then matthew kind of turns cold really cold because we know this now he was pushing her away but how did you feel when you first read that when he just turned cold on her i don't know i mean i was more concerned when he appeared angry in the cafe in the beginning in oxford i I don't know i just thought it was kind of vampire like i wasn't worried you weren't worried no you didn't question his feelings at all Mm, (laughs) only in the (laughs) only in the sense because i i came into the series when shadow of the night was published so i was like well they have to go do shadow of night so i'm I'm thinking nothing nothing bad happens. Yeah. There's already thinking- a sequel. Something good has to happen here. Right. Yeah. If I'm being honest, you, yes. You were thinking yeah. practically. Right. I was thinking emotionally. I'm like, what the fuck, Matthew? <laughs> <laughs> Really? We can't do this now. Come on. (laughs) I I was just, uh, I was a little bit angry, but I kind of had it in the back of my mind that he's doing this for a reason, but he could have just told her. He could have been nicer about it. He could have just told her. He could have just told her, look, we have to separate and we have to do this. So hang tight over here and I'm going to go take care of this shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Communication. Yeah. Then we wouldn't have Shadow of Night. So it's probably good that he did that. Yeah. But the weird thing is, is she's getting weepy. He's cold. And then all of a sudden, boom, visions. Yeah. Yes. And a lot of them. She's got her parents dying. And then she rolls over to a vision of Isabel when Philippe was kidnapped. Oh, yeah. Right. She saw Blanca. She saw Matthew quitting the, the grandmaster. Was, was that the second set? This was the first set was just the, the two. Yeah. 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 And the goddess. Well, we we know yeah. it to be the goddess now. But uh, back then it was a voice telling him, he's yours. Mm-hmm. What's happening here? He's yours. You need to take it. Yeah, <laughs> you know? Don't let him go. Yeah. Right. Don't let him go. You can't let him go. And that's when she says, I love you. Mm-hmm. Well, this is a chapter that also has one of my my favorite lines for Matthew. You persist in this romantic vision of what it is to be a vampire, but despite my best efforts to curb it, I have a taste for blood. That's like the first really vampire-ish thing he said. Right. And then she's just like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> you won't hurt me. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And and who knows? I mean, the God is saying you mustn't let him go. You know, when you're when you are getting a vision, you don't always know what it means. Is it you know you can't always interpret mm-hmm. literally. Maybe maybe she did interpret literally and thought I can't let him go. You know, to Oxford to or to away Oxford, from me. Yeah. yeah. And then Marcus's call when he calls Matthew and brings the news that she's been broken into. Well, mm-hmm. the labs have been broken into. He didn't he didn't specifically say her rooms have been broken into at that point, right? No, no, no. It's just the labs, and I. I felt like he was masking and shielding the whole truth at that point because Isabel looked to like in one point in that scene, Isabel was about to say something and he shot her a look and she shut the fuck up. Yeah. So right. there was more to that. And that was my clue when I first read it. He leaves instructions mm-hmm. to Isabel and Mart and says he's going back to Oxford. You're staying here. And, and Diana's like, wait a minute. We were both going to Oxford a second ago. What's really yeah. going on? It was weird. I found it weird. He kept making U-turns from what he was doing. So that's why I knew that's that's why I knew the phone call was there was a lot more to that phone call than what he was saying at first. If that makes sense. And then then it was weird because it's she he sends her upstairs to get his passport or whatever. And then she gets another set of visions. And it's it's basically like the vision version of the Matthew Museum. Right. Yeah. Because she sees Blanca and I'm guessing the woman who's first. The firm chim and square shoulders may have been Eleanor. Probably. Um, a man with that a That was my impression. Nose. Yeah, the man with a hawkish nose is probably Hugh. Terrible pain, being burned to death. That would make a lot of sense. And then yeah. Louisa, who she recognized. Mm-hmm. Although I'm wondering why she's got... If the, the dripping bloody fingers in front of her face is actually a vision of her in Bedlam from Shadow of Night. Oh. But it, it's strange that when she moved up there, everything that she saw had to do with Matthew. When they were down together in the main room, it was more... More of love and death. I mean, you've got right. ma- mates being mates dying with her parents and with Isabel and Philippe, right? Which is, and then you've got Emily and Sarah dealing with the aftermath of it too. So, right, just the way, just the way her 
visions grouped are kind of interesting too because that's when the conversation started about her and Matthew breaking up or separating. Right. It just yeah. dawned on me just now as you were yep. talking, Jean, that I always wondered when he issued his set of instructions to Isabel and Mart because it must have been when Diana ran up to get his passport. Oh, yeah. Or was it the fight? Was it the fight he and Isabel were having down at the car when he left and he pounded? When he put on the, the dent in it. it. Yeah, put the dent in right. the Range Rover. It could have been. I was like, when did he issue all? of these instructions of what she can and cannot do. We didn't witness any of it. But, you know, yeah, I think a part of that was that and part of that is when she ran upstairs. So, yeah, I'm yeah. thinking the part about Isabeau not not changing her and Isabeau not letting you know, the whole don't let her see you feed or whatever, whatever the whatever the instruction that her taking her hunting disputed. I'm trying to think of the best word, you know, th- I think Isabeau went a little bit rogue. There. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> He probably said she needs exercise. And uh, (laughs) it was her own own interpretation. (laughs) And Isabel says she wants, she needs exercise. You know, let's make it a two for a trip. (laughs) Yeah, she gets a mental exercise too. I'm hungry. I can catch well, a bite to eat, I and she can snack. exercise. Exactly. <laughs> I can <have> a snack. <laughs> you you see later on when when Diana tries to pry information, she's like, "Oh, I can't tell you that." But if she if you go through the back door and ask her a different way, she's like, "Oh, you clever girl. Okay, well now I can tell you X Y Z." Right. Talking about that, <laughs> right? He didn't say specifically if I had to. I couldn't say that. <laughs> right. Well, I can tell right. you all about this, but not that. And right. see, that's another reason I. I fell in love with Isabel because she was always finding a way to, to either work a deal or find the loophole. Right. Loophole, the back door. It's like Isabel was on top of it, man. Yeah. She is a queen it's, of the loophole. Uh, do you know what? Diana may not be a lawyer, but I tell you, Isabel would be a hell of a lawyer. <laughs> right. Oh, God, yes. <laughs> a hell of one. All right. Uh, which, which, which raises the question in my mind why she and Baldwin don't get along better because she's very strategic as well. She is. I think they're the same. Yeah, yeah they're, well, they're, true. they're the yeah, same they're personality her. type. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's probably why they don't get along. Yeah, I think they're the same. They're too much of the same thing. Baldwin just approaches it differently, but it's basically the same core. What drives them is the same. Mm-hmm. And, I, and, I, and I don't know that he thinks that Isabeau's bloodline, blood is inferior, but I think he likes to say her bloodline is inferior just to dig at Matthew. He likes yeah. to be pull all the Roman snooty yeah. crap. Right. He He's still talking the Roman talk and walking the Roman walk. Yeah. And it works. It, it does works. work. <laughs> he, it works. And he knows all of Matthew's buttons and he pushes the correct ones and all he has to do is shrug his shoulders and say, see, he's unhinged. Whatever. You're right. <laughs> exactly. I <rest> my case. <laughs> uh, okay. So Matthew drives off. Diana runs upstairs. And then we have which water you guys yes oh i hope they film this yeah i hope they do too um when i was reading the witch water scene i kept thinking whoa what what's happening is she crying or is she mm-hmm. you know it's, it just came out of nowhere she was right. siphoning this water from somewhere and then it was enveloping her and then later on we'll see in further chapters isabel's like uh you became the water right it's like whoa yeah. yeah until then i thought she was just summoning a great storm or something. But even when she said I lifted my fingers and water was coming out of that, then I was like, whoa, what is going on? Yeah. 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 I really got, the first time we read this, I got so involved in the description that it was like, wow. Almost, it's kind of like, I don't know. I can't even really do it justice in describing it. Just the way the description of it all just kind of sucked you in. Kind of like right. witch water. Yeah. Right. And it, when, when Isabeau started singing and she had the ability to pull her out of it, then I was truly intrigued with Isabeau. I'm like, okay, she knows something. She's bigger mm-hmm. than what she appears. She's larger than what's on the page. Right. And Mart knows this. And and mm-hmm. like, that's what, that's another thing that made me curious about Mart. Mart's like looking at her, like, do something. You yeah. know you can do something. And Isabel's like reluctant, like, okay, God. That's what's completely um, fascinating. Either them speaking in a different language to each other or their knowing looks or their, you know, 
shot her look this way, shot her look that way, but they're they're speaking mm-hmm. without speaking. And that's it's just fascinating. And there's a whole vocabulary going on there that's just like, whoa. Right. Yeah. That just comes from being together for years and knowing each other inside and out. So, yeah, again, curious about that relationship. Hopefully we'll see it. Well, do you know what? You, you just said something to me, Val, that really intrigued me when you brought up the fact that Isabeau sang her out of it. Mm-hmm. It kind of conjured up that whole and, you know, where just who is this woman and where did she come from? It made me think of not only the legend of the sirens in the sea, the Greek sirens, in, in the whole thing with Scylla and Charybdis. Oh, the siren song. Yeah, and the Scylla and Charybdis, with one one was the whirlpool, the choice between the whirlpool and the rocks and the, I think this part of the myth had the sirens uh, sun themselves on the rocks, which is kind hmm. of strange. I mean, the whole kind of weird uh, imagery that ties into Odysseus hmm. and whatnot too, which I mean, and then we'll we'll go on and have a, all these references to the Iliad as well. So right. there's a lot of Homer in here, but that's kind of what the picture of the witch water almost made me think of when you mate said she became the water. Then it sounds like right. a water right. cyclone yeah, or a whirlpool. So Isabel had power over the water at some point. Yes, or, in a way. Or maybe it was a myth that she had power over the water. Do you know right. what I mean? It's yes. Just, yeah. The, the, myth, the myth about the power power over the water came from something that Isabel was able to do, maybe. Right. Maybe. We don't know. Yeah. Okay, audience this is pure us this just is, going off being us <laughs> yeah. this is what we do disclaimer um, this is us just talking talking so martin isabel care for diana they run her upstairs and they mm-hmm. run a hot bath and that to me said more than a lot of things could because it's they care for matthew so much that if anything happened to diana they know he would be just he'd be ruined well this was also finally isabel is doing the same thing that mark did all along because Mart was yes. always concerned about making sure she ate and this and that and the other thing. And now here we've got finally got Isabel like on board. Right. right. I think Isabel finally realizes how much she means to Matthew, though. I, I feel like before it was just like, uh, this is just one of this is a phase. And he, she realized everything he was doing to shield her was beyond a phase. It was he loves her in a way that she's never seen before. So, yeah, it was yeah. more than she's the fragile baby bird kind that yeah. my son brought home to take care of kind of thing. Well, right. And and she also realizes or recognizes the magnitude of Diana's potential powers because she's like oh, yeah. there's not there's not been a modern witch who could do that call that water in some time. So I'm sure there's that part of it too. Like, right. I don't, I'm I don't wondering <laughs> when was the last time was there was a witch who could do that. Right. Right. Or became the water. He's like you yeah. are unique because you became it. Yeah. So much. And then we had Isabeau's story time. I enjoyed that immensely. Oh, I loved it. <laughs> Can we have more Isabel story time, Bat Deb? Please, 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 please. We love Isabel story time. Right. Read it again, Isabel. You know so me. I'm, I'm all about story time. I, I listeners, know you l- are. Listeners don't know, but sometimes I'll say, Val, tell me a story. I'll be like, okay, I'll tell you about the one that, that one time. <laughs> and I already know yeah. it. I just wanted to yeah. tell me about it. <laughs> Anyways, okay, back to Isabel. I know. So we find out he was a carpenter turned stonemason. He had a family, another mother, another father, a wife, a child. A suicide attempt. Oh, yeah. We suspect he tries to end his life. You know, there's a whole bunch there. Lots to learn about this particular vampire. Never mind vampire in general. There's a lot to learn about this particular vampire. So Isabeau is offering that up because she realizes that Diana is something. She means something to Matthew. She's gone. It's like Isabeau, mothers always know. So Isabeau knows she's going to be part of the family. So I might as well fucking tell her. I'm going to tell her everything. Yeah. I felt a little, I don't know how jealous or if Diana was even jealous, but I felt the twinge of envy when she said and they were very happy you know I think Isabel was just trying to drive that home yeah, <laughs> yeah it's like <laughs> you're not the, yeah it's like uh, she's been around for a long long time honey don't flatter yourself that he's never given his heart before <laughs> 
<laughs> Let's throw that out the window right now. <laughs> yeah. I had a kid. So, yeah, that was, I, I, Isabel's story time was great. That was It was, it was enli- enlightening, very much so. I mean, right. you, you, get to, you get to find out how Matthew was made, too, and under what circumstances. And it kind of made me, um, it just underscored the ethics that Matthew has now and when he makes a vampire, like when he made Marcus, that he gave full disclosure. And that sounds kind of what Isabel tried to do, even though <laughs> Matthew thought he was John the Baptist and and an, another saint. <laughs> yeah, it's a blessed mother. It was John the, yes. John the Baptist and a blessed mother. <laughs> yeah. Not exactly oh. lucid, but... <laughs> and also, uh, during this chapter, uh, Matthew calls to check in on her. So that just kind of brought me back. It's like, wait a minute. He was so cold before. Oh, he likes her. Come on. Yeah. He still likes her. He likes so her. Silly. <laughs> and in the end, we're exactly where... Diana is exactly where she was before. She has a lot to learn about vampires. So chapter 24, let's go. Diana's in Matthew's study reading books on alchemy to distract herself and Isabeau comes knocking. it's time to go hunting. Let's go hunting. Rubbing my hands together. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, she says you need some exercise. Let's go. Let's drive that horse through that loophole. Uh. (laughs) And then we get the whole thing about oh, uh, Diane DePores and uh, Catherine de' Medici. Right. That is that exchange is so great between Isabeau and Diana and talking about the side saddles. I just adored that. That was good. When there was, this is before they had, you know, two pommels instead of just the one. Yeah. Just to be led around by a man. And, you know, Isabeau snorts like, ugh. Yeah, I know. Anytime Isabeau (laughs) snorts is a good time. Yeah. I mean, yeah. and that, that just told me she's opinionated. She's been through history. She's known some important yeah. players and, you know, she likes who she likes and it's not everybody. Yeah. She was a witch, actually, or metaphorically. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's pretty clear whose side of the triangle she was on. Right. So, you know, Isabel helps herself to some snacks. She has a rabbit, a marmot, a fox, a goat, then went after the deer. And Apparently she Diane- was hungry. <laughs> <laughs> and well, Diana's it's, just watching this like, oh my God. So much for snacking. It's like, let's have a full meal. She went from like appetizer to entree to like. <laughs> to <know>. dessert. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, she's like, we'll start with rabbit and then yes. just goes after it. And Diana's like, um, I'm pretty sure in my head, Diana's horrified, but doesn't want to show the fact that she's horrified, you know, because she did say, you know, rabbits are awfully bloody. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, when you stick your teeth and right, right into its heart, it's apt to be rather messy. Yeah. <laughs> it's not it's not as easy as when when you just, you know, bite the head off a squirrel, as I've witnessed before. Yeah. Yeah, that's usually a little bit neater. Not by much. So, you know, we always talk about Philippe, how he had his tests and I feel like this was a test for Isabeau, you know. Mm -hmm. Definitely. She she put this out there and said, you know, can you handle your your man hunting and feeding like this regularly, you know? And Diana's like, what else you got for me? Come on, this is bull. Yeah. I I, I got I got this. Yeah. I think it was a test and I also think for the reader it was a way to um, know that Diana was fully aware of how Vampire Empire's feed without having to actually see Matthew do it. Yeah. yeah. And it's so intimate watching people feed like that. I would think if you're a vampire, you know, it'd be an intimate thing because Matthew didn't like doing it in front of others. And I don't think it's just because he was worried about their welfare. Right. I think because he was partially embarrassed about being a bam- vampire. I don't think he wanted to be a vampire. He just dealt with it. Yeah. Right. It's another one of those choices he made without thinking it through. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. What do you mean? What? Though he wasn't in his right mind to do it. He wasn't in his right mind, I don't think. Yeah. If, if you're having visions of mm-hmm. already being in heaven or on your way or stuck yeah. in purgatory, you probably aren't of your right mind. Yeah. Thinking straight. Yeah. Yeah. So Isabeau's like, okay, whatever, let's go. We're, we're done. And they go back in and they start, uh, Mark takes her under her tutelage and teaches her how to make the D. Yeah, but and the funny thing is, is there there seemed to be like an unspoken difference of opinion about that whole T thing between Mark and Isabeau that has me curious because I kind of thought they were on the same page 
as far as the tea went. Yeah. I felt they were too. But I mean, towards the end. Yeah, because, well, my, well, here's the thing. I mean, it's, she says, here, girl, come with me and I will teach you to make my tea. Now it was Isabel's turn to look furious. Oh. Because, I mean, Mart was furious with Isabel for taking her hunting. Right. Just sort of threw me because it seemed like early on they were both like, mm, she smells like the goddess. Uh, maybe the tea wouldn't be a bad idea kind of thing. That, that's what I was going to ask you. Why? What did you even think when the tea was brought up? Like it like it was a necessity. Right. I mean, um, I thought that she kept hammering it home with the ingredients. It's like, mm-hmm. no, a pinch of each. You have to have a pinch of you each. You've got to make sure everything is in every, every yeah. Everything is in every dose. Otherwise, you know, she stopped short of saying, otherwise the shit won't work. Right. But- <laughs> <laughs> she kind of did without saying it. Without saying it. But if when you go back and look at that as a reader, when you go back to look at it, it's like, oh, that's why you needed a pinch. Otherwise, what Diana said makes more sense. Why don't you take all these herbs and spices, mix them up and take a little bit of, of the mixture? Especially if, you know, and she was probably just thinking it was a tea, you know, to help her relax. Like, here, have some cam- chamomile herb tea. It'll help you right. sleep. But no, she was strict with it was almost like a pharmacist. Yeah, right. A little right. bit of this. It was very precise. And, you know, and you repeat it and all you need all a pinch of each of the herbs. And I'll run through the herbs. It was parsley, ginger, feverfew, rosemary, sage, queen, queens, and lace seeds, mugwort, pennyroyal, angelica, rue, tansy, and juniper root. So there's a lot there. Yeah. Twelve, in fact. Twelve. I think. Yes. Didn't we like have a little game trying yeah. to remember all of them? I, know, <laughs> yeah. one point? I think that we was did. one of our old uh, trivia questions on the Goodreads quiz. Yeah. Uh, on one, like uh, the Goodreads quiz, or I think I made it a trivia question on one of our giveaways. I've since become, yes, you know, way lax. <laughs> and my trivia yeah. questions are, are are easier. But yeah, that was it's a lot of herbs in there. And um, I first read, I did not um, suspect any wrongdoing, except when she was precise and she was making Diana repeat it again. Say it again. And then mm-hmm. Diana would have to repeat all the herbs. And I'm like, why for a recipe, if you're teaching somebody a recipe, wouldn't you just write it down and just give it to her? You know what I mean? Right, right. But, mm-hmm. but she was making her committed. <laughs> to memory so it became second nature you need all these and it becomes second nature to you so I mean you can always lose a recipe but once it's in your head you yep. got it yep. so yeah that's the only time where I was like okay what's this tea why are we worried about her remembering precisely so that was the only suspicion I had about it so they do the tea and then she goes back to Matthew's study she notices the child's toy in the shelf and she has this little self talk about oh my god there's so much more love t- a vampire yeah, so complicated. I should go run downstairs and call Sarah and let her know that I love a vampire. And on her way, she runs into Isabeau, who is cutting flowers. And we get the names are important lecture. Yes. 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 It's more Isabeau story time. Yeah, it was good. It was excellent. And that whole tidbit about... What did you think of the names? Rebecca was the one that piqued my interest the most. Right. What did you think about her names when she freely just gave her names out? Oh, I'm still thinking about them. Yeah. I <laughs> I think, that, I think that was the first uh, lesson or exercise in, you know, that then you're like, okay, Matthew's names, Isabeau's names, you know, then then I started to pay attention. Yeah. Right. Especially when she says names are important. Yes. And it's like, okay, why are these names important? I hope that never goes away in all the books that Deb writes. And I would imagine, I mean, that's one of her principles, but I hope that that's constant. Names are important. It's, it's canon now. It's become rule, uh, the rule of the universe. I mean, right. names are important. You put out a name and of course you're going to think it's important and look up the name and see yeah. what it means, see the background. Or see who, who else is t- attached to it. Yeah. All kinds right. of things. Well, and some of them have turned out to be just fun. I mean, that uh, Baldwin's ex-girlfriend's name means life hunter. I mean, that's <laughs> hilarious. So what do you think about Sarah's call? Well, uh, Diana calls Sarah to let her know that she's in love with a vampire and she's not going to let it go. What do you think about that whole exchange? Oh, I liked how uh, M freaked out about Melisande Clermont and then Diana defended her. Did you make any connections as far as historically? Not really. I don't think I did. But I was wondering how she knew her. You know, Emily's a warm blood and I don't know. She's not old. So how would she? How I was wondering how she knew her by that name or why that came up. Right. Well, get, was Emily.
Emily, Emily's mother would have been around when uh, Isabel ate her way through Argentina and Berlin in 45. Right. And she was like a, a weird collector of those facts and people's yeah. family, family ties. She, it sounded like Emily was kind of a genealogist, like a witch genealogist. Right. right. She knew all that kind of stuff. And she kept track of notable creatures. Which we'll find out later on. Yep. And she confessed about the witch water to Sarah, which I thought was interesting. I think Sarah's reaction was in- interesting to me. Here I was trying to teach her stuff and, it, and I felt like as soon as Sarah started realizing how powerful Diana was, she felt Ill- ill-equipped. There was nothing she could have done to help this girl through it. I mean, thinking about it now, I'm wondering if Emily was thinking about the spellbinding that is starting to unravel. Yeah, I bet you you're probably right. She probably was. She was probably... Well, we'll find out later in the Book of Life that Emily was taking steps beyond what she really should have been doing mm-hmm. for her own health and well-being. Mm-hmm. But she, Diana's rise was pretty much em- Emily's death. Yes, <laughs> it's, yeah. It's, 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 yeah. It's like the scales. Was, this sounds really weird, but it's almost like Emily was like the final piece of her spellbinding that had to fall away. Yeah. I mean, I'm not thinking literally. It's just the way it yeah, balances out. Yeah, it's kind of out. a figurative, metaphorical kind of because yeah. Emily was the only one that lived who knew about it and or participated in it. And she did what Direct, she needed to do. Knew about it directly when it happened, yeah. And she f- did what she felt she needed to do to get Diana to where she was at. You know, mm-hmm, from mm-hmm. the tutelage to tell her how to time walk or try to talk her through it. So, you know, in the end of this phone call, she decides, she tells Sarah and says, you know, nothing you're going to say or do is going to stop me from being with Matthew. And Sarah's like, I know how you feel. My parents were, my mom was against me and Emily and she's probably rolling in her grave, but I wasn't going to let go of Emily. So it is what it is. And I will always care for you. And it was, it's just how I expected Sarah to react. You know, once she had all the information, she was able to react properly. She didn't have all the information before. So, I mean, that's just what Diana needed that she, to know that she had the support of her family. And so she hangs up feeling good and she calls Matthew. What would you guys think about that? It made me feel much better after what happened in the earlier part of the chapters. Yes, me too. And the Spanish wine sounded delicious. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. But, you know, he tries to turn on the coldness once again to throw off the scent. But, you know, Diana knows. Yeah, but the I don't know, I'll be back when I can was more like the, the yeah, I'm not sleeping with you tonight, but I will. <laughs> it, was more that, it was more that kind of coolness than the really awful sort of coolness before he just before he left, that last conversation right. before he left. Yeah, okay, he was a little bit cool on the phone, but then again on the phone, it's sometimes hard to read whether he was being cool and aloof for just trying to school himself yeah, you know, and not show too much because we find out when he gets, find out down the line that when just before he comes back from Oxford that time, he had already made provisions for her, for her separate estate and his her marriage contract. Right. So, yeah, I don't know if the, the aloofness was just him playing things close to the vest or what? It was all bullshit. He was just yeah. playing. He was, he was just like trying to throw off because it scared him. I mean, let's face it. If he, he was just being a guy. I, I don't think he was being a, a, a vampire plotting how he was going to get himself out of the situation. I think he was just being a guy not knowing how to react. I don't think he trusted himself to handle that, a relationship yeah. with her. You're right. I agree. Well, he hasn't had a really good track record when it comes to relationships that we've learned of thus far. Now, has he? Right. And he's in denial. I mean, even when he way back in you know chapter nine with Hamish that he didn't wasn't allowing himself to say the words that he was falling for her and so he certainly yes. not, he doesn't want to acknowledge what he's feeling and thinking so it's easy it's easier to put the veneer on the cold yeah. you know the cold I'm face be the cool guy right yeah to give himself an out just in case he needs to walk away from it and that's right. I always yeah. felt that way he's always had to give himself an out but it's not working out very well no and I do think that he was giving Diana an out too I mean I think there's a, the other part of it. I mean, as cool as you can be as a guy, you're also, any human doesn't want to be rejected. So yeah. he's... Well, and that also turns out to be Matthew's MO. It's like, oh God, at some point in time, she's going to find out about me and hate me. Right. Yeah. And this is just the very first tidbit of that. So, okay. It ends with her hanging up the phone with Matthew, telling Isabel goodnight, and then she heads up to Matthew's study. And that brings us into chapter 25, the snooping chapter. Oh God, Yay! this is, this is Angela's chapter. I 
know. I love this chapter. I just, you know, the, the picture or the, you know, the animated version of Beauty and the Beast where she's in the library and she just like on that rolling ladder. I mean, that's how I picture myself going through Matthew's library. <laughs> let me just touch all the books. Let me look at them. Let me pull them out. Me, I mean, oh, it just it was a neat piece of history too. I mean, besides what we'll get to that, all the stuff that she finds out, just seeing the books, how old they are, um, that it's, it's almost like the history of the book in Matthew's library. Yeah. Right. And, and the, just his desk. I mean, the description of his desk is just amazing. Yeah. Not to mention all the secret compartments in it. Right. I mean, he's not, he's not a book collector. He, those are mementos from when he lived. Hey, not a collector per se. Stuff he, my friends gave me. He hasn't gone to Goodwill yet. <laughs> right, right. My friends keep giving me all their stuff. Yeah. yeah. It's just accumulated over the years, you know? So we start out at, at the desk. She sits at his desk and she's looking for notepaper and she's like, it'll serve him right if I write all over his freaking desk mat. And yeah. <laughs> she's, she's just, you know, I'm going to start work and I'm going to sit at his desk and I know he likes me, so it's okay. But, it's, it's, he won't get mad when I fuss it all up. Let, let me just say, I'm not a snooper in real life, but snooper by proxy, I, I'm fine with that. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I was all for it with Diana. <laughs> What did you think when she uh, found this secret drawer and opened it? And pulled out the seals. I was floored when she figured out what it was. I was, yeah. I was like, uh-huh. "Holy cow!" And why does yeah, he have too. his dad's? Yes, yes. that just yes. made me sad, right? Not yeah. realizing until later on when we kind of started digging around about how to use seals to find out that usually when somebody was killed or dead, their seal was destroyed. Why did destroyed. Matthew still have? Why did Matthew have his father's seal intact? That yeah. was weird. And if you think about the names, you know, the names mm-hmm. that Matthew was giving. And and the roles he's, the different roles he's played in life. Think about his names and Philippe does turn up. So it was always my conclusion that he was acting as Philippe for a period of time and not without the family's permission. It was for the family. Right. He was doing that. So oh, you think that's why he used that name? Philippe, yeah. Okay. Same with Bertrand. Well, I think Bertrand was because they switched places yes. with the whole Saracen execution. Yes. yes. I always thought Philippe, he, at one point in time, he had to step into Philippe's shoes before it was known that he was gone. Just speculation oh, again. I you like know what that I mean? Speculation. I'm just wondering if there may have been another time when Philippe was off doing whatever at some point in time other prior to his death that Matthew was also because she made a proxy. comment that he made a passable Philippe. Was yes. Yeah. Yes. Isabel's exact yeah. word. So it almost makes me wonder if he was masquerading as Philippe when Philippe was still alive and managed to trick people. True. It's possible. You know, I was thinking more, more when uh, Philippe was infirm, you know, after the Nazi had captured him. But, you know, an empire you don't want to let people know that the the leader is down so you just keep running and you keep rolling and maybe that was matthew's role again speculation <laughs> i mean matthew matthew was philippe's seneschal wasn't he his second in command yeah and, yeah yes. i mean he could use the the seals also then true and i don't think he had the um heart to destroy it maybe no i that would be so so tough yeah so Too tough. i think that's why it was held on to that's why it was kept but uh that was amazing and then you know she starts writing follow the money she starts yeah that to me that's the the, the almost as important well yeah, to me it's as important as names are important because yes follow the money you find out uh where all the strings are being pulled it is so true back then today in real life follow the money and you will know who's in charge and where these directives are coming from who's got the most money whose money is in play that's you know whose voice am i hearing it's the person with the money yeah uh, well you know she starts snooping and finding ledgers and finding changes of hands of money and just that was so fascinating and i know we talked about this in the tv episode about how we pictured it in our head how they can do like a three minute montage of just her going from book to book to book to book just playing music you know suspenseful right. music dun, dun, dun. <laughs> I just I love this the ledgers are some of my favorite just because there's so much historical fiction in this I mean to find out that um, the Templars are are involved in this and they made a dowry for um, Mary and Eleanor of Aquitaine I mean there's just so much in there that it just shows you how they've been woven yeah they've been woven into history and they've been pulling a lot of the strings I mean they've, yeah. they've really steered history the way that they wanted to. 
Philippe truly was the kingmaker. Yeah, true. So in the end, it's learned that uh, the Knights of Lazarus have ab- absorbed the Templars. Um, the Templars didn't disappear. They just, you know, got, what would you call that, a takeover? <laughs> right yeah it's just under a different name you know um that was tremendous and then matthew after all of that she's exhausted she's in she goes to bed thinking oh my god there's so much history with this vampire how are we gonna make it through and then matthew calls her and tells her i love you diana though those three words. Ah, oh. that's what Wendy was referring to. Yeah, yeah. There we go. That's the beginning. That was satisfying. Yeah, oh, that was good. We won't end these chapters mad like last time. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm, I can rest my head on my pillow and be satisfied. Okay, so uh, that's the end of this chapter discussion, and we don't have any news. Housekeeping, really. Housekeeping. So we have an email from Kate. Very interesting. It's regarding take 17, the one with the fortress. She says, hi, since we meet Isabeau in these chapters, her style has me wondering, has there been any discussion about how vampires use clothes? For example, the senior vampires, Isabeau, Matthew Baldwin, stick to monochromatic color palette while the others do not. When we meet them, Isabeau is in shades of cream while Matthew is in shades of black and gray. Is this an attempt to blend in with, with the warm bloods by wearing muted colors? Or is this an evolution of their personal styles based on old sumptuary laws and social hierarchies? Are they dressing to show their higher rank, essentially dressing to impress and communicate power? In contrast, Miriam wears t-shirts and miniskirts in bright colors, such as purple, and Marcus is in jeans and sneakers. Is this because they now feel free to, to wear what they want? Miriam is old and... Are her clothes a type of rebellion against any prejudice she faced earlier or an expression of her true self that she couldn't do before graphic tees? Is Marcus wearing what he thinks is common for men of his apparent age and a way to blend in? Is he using his casual clothing to emphasize he's American and proud of it to his European family friends affiliates? Or are their clothes to emphasize they are not high ranking in the family? Is it because they are lab based and therefore do not see the need to use clothing to impress or imply power? Additionally, what about their clothes change during the events? Jumping ahead, once Marcus becomes head of the Knights, it is mentioned that he began wearing button-down shirts at the same time that he began signing his last name Claremont instead of Whitmore. I think this signifies how he is accepting his evolved status amongst the family, but since he continues to wear sneakers, still being true to himself. Also, throughout the books, as Diana comes to accept her position as a wife of the first, the number two in the family, and then the head of it, and has become head of the household, and then mother, she no longer wears yoga pants, but seems to wear more structured clothing. I found it interesting in the third book, she wears her 1500s embroidered jacket or blazer to the congregation meetings. I think she kept and continues to wear this jacket because, one, it was during the same time she and Matthew became a true team. Two, it was during the same time she accepted she was a witch and her powers. Three, it was during the same time she accepted her role in the family and that she is worthy of the respect that came with the role. And four, because above all, it's her physical reminder that she doesn't have to take any shit from anyone in the congregation. Just some rambling thoughts. Love the podcast. Just finished the episode on chapters 11 through 15. Kate. Thank you, Kate. That's such a great email. That was an awesome email. I've never looked at it from that angle at all. I never even no. thought about that too much. So I, that's an awesome email. So great. We're probably going to make an episode about it. Exactly. <laughs> I, it, it's, it's definitely worth delving into more. I mean, those are just skimming the surface and gives us a lot to think about and talk yeah. about. She just made an outline for us. So Kate, we're indebted to you. So stand by or uh, stay tuned would probably yeah, be the better tuned. way to say it. Stay tuned. We will put out an episode on it because... We'll, we'll do Demons Discuss Fashion Week. <laughs> <laughs> or or Fashion was, Millennia, I suppose, yeah, since we're right, talking about exactly. vampires. I mean, I, we got that email on the tail and our the tail end of the close period for uh, discusser emails to come in. And we were about to record and that email came in and it was like, damn... I wish we can include this, but it that episode wound up being so long anyway. So yes. we wanted to address it in this episode. And thank you, Kate. You are heard. And thanks to you, we're probably going to have a nice episode on this because 
it was so great and so interesting and so well thought out. So thank you again. It was awesome. Okay, so uh, let's take a break. And then when we come back, we'll do our last thought, a collective last thought. Hey, guys, you can find us wherever it is you like to listen to your podcast shows. Contact us on social media. We are Demons Domain and Demons Discuss. You can also email us directly and we are Demons Discuss at gmail.com. Leave us a voicemail. You can either do that through SpeakPipe and that is SpeakPipe.com slash Demons Discuss. Or you can give us a call old school way 360-519-7836. Again, that is 360-519-7836. Now, here's one thing I want you guys to remember. Become a discusser. Now, how that works is you sign up and then we send you an email once or twice a month. And then we get to talk back and forth and your responses get used on our episodes. So isn't that great? So go to demonsdiscuss.com, fill out your name and email address on that little short form. And then you're going to have to type in a code because we don't like spam on our website. Submit that and boom, you're a discusser. Just like that, no questions asked. And don't forget to visit our home base, and that is demonsdomain.com. Everything we're doing, including giveaways, all of our posts on the All Souls Trilogy characters and settings and news, and our podcast episodes. Everything we're doing, you can find there. Again, that is demonsdomain.com. We can't wait to hear from you. We'll see you on the internet. Yep. We're getting close to the con. My thought, my last thoughts all revolve around the con and how excited I'm getting. And yeah, I mean, we're going to have our demon hour, which may be fun and games and cocktails and snacks and hopefully lots of camaraderie with everybody who's coming to New Orleans will stop by and hang out with us for a little bit for some fun. Agree. Right. Agree. I'm, I I'm quite figured out what form the fun's <laughs> going to take, but it will be fun. It's right. going to be fun. I'm bursting with anticipation. I don't even know. I just, the, the possibilities are endless. And I can't wait wait to meet everybody um, and do our panel and just eat and drink and be merry. Right. Yes. And I have booked my ticket, everybody. Yay! I am booked. Yay! Yay! Angela was with me up when I was doing it in the middle of the night. <laughs> oh, you got, I'll have the room all set and we'll have cocktails. Uh, Laura and I will have cocktails ready. Yeah, yeah, we're not coming in till later. We're, we're coming in on the afternoon shift. Yeah, we're coming in on the night shift, which is how I roll, by the yeah, way. She's worried about our Uber driver already because she figures <laughs> it's going to be loud and squee-y. Oh, is that a word? With much squee. <laughs> yes, there will be much squee and high decibels and yeah, yeah and all well, that. Tip them well, even though they're not technically supposed to take tips. Tip them anyway; they'll take it. Yeah, the, uh, tips not accepted is just you know gonna prompt me to tip. Yeah, exactly. Here you go. This is for you. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, Shh, you didn't. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I didn't see anything. So um, I don't know what you're talking about, audience. If you're interested, and I hope you're interested, um, if you can't be there, you can register virtually. That is free, thanks to Penguin Books. But if you're interesting and interested in attending, go to allsoulscon.org slash tickets and register. Our coupon code is over by now, but it's only $99 for a pass. Um, travel, you'll have to arrange that yourself. And booking a room, you'll have to arrange that yourself. But it's a convention and it's a, a once in a lifetime thing. Get to see New Orleans if you've never been before. It's great. So show up. And plus, you get to see us. We get to see you. It's going to be fun. Demon Hour, we will have more details as we get closer. But for now, just know there's going to be a Demon Hour, and that's going to be on Friday. We don't have an hour yet. Yes. We're working on the hour. It will be posted on the hour. All Souls Con attendees website. Yeah, that's right. Facebook group. Facebook, yes. Insta Facebook. (laughs) Insta Face. (laughs) Maybe not Insta Face. (laughs) Insta Face. Uh, Okay, so that's it. Let's close this up, guys. All right. See you later. Take care. Peace out. Yes. Thank you for taking us into your ears and listening to us for all this time. And Demon Kiss. Bye, audience. So this brings us to chapter two, 20. How <laughs> <laughs> you did it again? <laughs> it's not chapter two. It's chapter 22. Oh, my God. My mouth is just coming up with all kinds of shit. Yeah. Take two That's- chapter two, 222. <laughs> yeah. Room 222. All right. <laughs>